Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. And today I am here with Maddie Smith, a Libra sun, maybe a Capricorn rising. If you were a Capricorn rising, we would be rising twins. I'm a Capricorn rising. So just saying, could be cool, could be sisters, maybe. I don't know. But what we do know is that Maddie Smith is a New York City-based stand-up comedian and cast member on MTV's Wild and Out. She performs throughout the city nightly and you could also catch her hosting her own podcast that time of the week with maddie smith the pod is a women only current events show that is filled with laughs and roasts i hope that we can have some of those laughs and roasts here on this podcast maddie it is so lovely to meet you thank you so much for being here yes thank you for having me and what a nice intro so so it was so um filling there were so many oh <laughs> <Ooh, yes. laughs> yes i love that it's almost lunchtime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so maddie tell us about your story tell us who you are where you come from how comedy and mtv mm-hmm. ended up becoming part of the equation pray tell yeah so i'm from buffalo new york it's like seven hours from the city it's very cold I moved to New York um, six years ago this past summer for a job. And then shortly after I started doing stand-up because I didn't have any friends in the city. And now I have a lot of friends. Because of stand-up? Yeah. But I don't have any non-stand-up friends because of how much stand-up I do. (laughs) Got it. But that's the name of the game. You know what I mean? So I started stand-up, I guess, five to six years ago stand up every night and did roast battles as well in the city. And then from the roast battles got on wild and out because wild and out is a roast show. Then MTV wild and out. Once I got on wild and out, I was able to not work a nine to five anymore. And so now I do comedy full time. That's That's, amazing. That's the long short. It's a pretty boring story, actually. No, no, it's not boring at all. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I I'm even interested in the Buffalo part. That's like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's a faraway place in New York. I'm from the city myself and I don't think I've ever been to Buffalo, but I've seen it on a map and it looks very far and I've heard it's very snowy. It's very far away. It's far enough away where I never see my family. Because, wow. Yeah. It's just like the drive is long. And in if you go for comedy purposes, you either go in the winter and it's super cold, like zero degrees or you go in the summer and no one will come to your show because no one goes inside during the summer in buffalo because it's the only two months of nice weather 
Mm, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> okay, I have a question. I've always been very intrigued by stand up comedy, mm-hmm. but it seems really horrifying, <laughs> really, really, really scary and upsetting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you like walk me through what it's like to do? stand-up comedy to like what like the experience from before you get on the stage what happens during and then Mm -hmm. after is yes to me it's not horrifying but I could see how to other people it is so pretty much leading up to a show I'm like all right been you know if I've been at a if I've been in a venue before I'm not that nervous because I know the name of the game I get nervous now if I'm going up for the first time in a venue I've never been at before so I recently went to like Zany's in Nashville. I'd never been to Nashville before. So I didn't know what the vibes were going to be. I didn't know if it was going to be left-leaning, right-leaning, women-hating, women-friendly. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so before that kind of set, I have to know like, okay, you got to be, have your set list pretty much down. No holes in the set so that you can push through in case they're not giving you what you need. Whereas if I'm at a venue in New York City where I'm super comfortable, I go up pretty loose. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm going to make them laugh no matter what. So even if, I mean, assuming that the audience is going to rotate Mm -hmm. pretty consistently, you think that the venue sort of dictates the type of audience. And even if the audience changes on a nightly basis, like you knowing that venue, you're going to know more or less what your interaction with the audience is going to be. Yeah, pretty much. I would say it's it's pretty venue based. That's interesting. So yeah, so there's a couple clubs in the city that are kind of like my home clubs. I work a lot at like New York Comedy Club in the stand. And it's kind of like this is my home turf, you know, so you kind of like give less emphasis to the audience and you're more just like, what's up, guys? Welcome to my house. This is mm-hmm. where I rule. Whereas like in Nashville, I felt more like, uh oh, I'm visiting you. So I'm serving you a little bit more. That's my mentality. Other comics might be a little bit different. And I think it changes as you get more up the ladder. But that's how it feels. But it does feel like the audiences at each venue are pretty similar. The comedy seller, the seller will, if you've ever been to the comedy seller, they'll always have like awesome audiences because they're like in the city. They're there to laugh. They're there. They're fans. The sand always has great audiences because they're like comedy fans. They're like, I know, like, Jessica Kirsten, I know, like Ari Shafir. And then Brooklyn, you have like kind of more like alty weird audiences in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unsurprising. Yeah. So you get a lay of the land of the venue. That's mm-hmm. the before. And then what happens during? And like, how would a Nashville first time there experience differ from the this is your home turf experience? So Nashville, I... Nashville, I think it would be like testing the waters. You do you do the A stuff, do a little gauge what the vibe is. Whereas like last night I was at in in Brooklyn where I was like, everyone's my age. Everyone's kind of like millennial, blah. And I kind of did new stuff, a little bit more experimental, went with the flow because they already, they trust me from the beginning and I trust them. Whereas when I was in Nashville, I was like, all right, let's bring the A game because it's a venue I've never been at as a demographic I don't know as well. So let's prove to them Maddie Smith is a worthy 
product that they just purchased. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is your relationship like with the audience? Like, is part of like any of your routines like speaking with them directly, or like mm-hmm. how do you take their reaction and what they're giving you and incorporate that both in terms of like the set and then also mm-hmm. for notes for the future? Definitely. I do some sets. I do a lot of crowd work, like a lot of audience interaction. Other sets, I'm like, listen, it's it's Maddie time. I got to get through the material. I don't have time to talk to you guys, but I am very present on stage. So if a joke doesn't land, I'll like, I'll kind of make fun of it. I'm not the type of comic who like, if a joke doesn't land, I'll just like push through into other material. I'm very like present with the audience and I'll engage with them and be like, what happened there? And I'll be like, ah, I don't care. That didn't do well. I'm on Lexapro. I couldn't give a fuck, you know, like I'm numb and stuff like that. So I try to stay, it's very conversational. And so I think that also helps too, with kind of like saving myself. If something doesn't work, I can make fun of the situation. And you always have like those saving lines that are like, Oh, you guys didn't like that. I didn't realize you hated women. You know what I mean? Like as like a save. So I, it is pretty interactive. So then what happens after? Like, how do you process all of it? Cause I can imagine that it's like, a incredible amount of adrenaline and then there yeah. has to be some sort of a crash, right? Lately, there hasn't been as much of a crash, I think, because the further on you get in stand-up, the more you tell yourself each set, you should walk away neutral because if you get a super high from a really good set, you're also going to get a super low from a bad set. So I think going away neutral is the name of the game. So if you have a really good set, you have to like breathe in it for like a minute and then be like, that was good. A bad one will probably come (laughs) because when I was early on, I would be like, that was amazing. There's no way I'm ever going to bomb again. There's no way I could ever do badly. And then when you do badly, you're like, what the fuck? That wasn't supposed to happen. But a more like veteran comic will be like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. And then a bad one, they'll be able to look at a bad one more objectively and analytically rather than like, it's the end of the world. How the fuck did you let that happen to yourself? So there is an adrenaline rush, but more so lately, I've been like, oh, I'm excited that that new bit worked. And I'll like you, like you asked about notes, I'll take what I did there. And I'm very excited to add that to the bigger repertoire of material. It seems like you have, like, it seems like comics have to have many roles. Like you often, I I would imagine that for most comics and maybe this is totally wrong but like you're the writer you're the performer and then you're also like the editor like you are also you go back in so like do you record your sets or like how do you reflect on because obviously you know when you're in the moment you're trying to be present so you can't be like okay note to self you know or like do you bring Mm -hmm. a notepad up with you or do you record or like how do you synthesize that feedback i record my sets and on good days I listen if I'm vigilant, pretty, I listen the next day and take notes, but you know, it's hard. And then days, it's like the gym, you know, the one day you're like, nah, I'm not going to go. And then the next day you're like, well, I didn't go yesterday. So I might as well not go today. <laughs> but on a good week, like I'll daily, like usually on the train to my first set of the night, I'll listen back from yesterday's set. And it's so helpful because you also have like little riffs and little things you added on to the jokes that you won't ever remember unless you recorded it. So most and like veteran comics will be like, you won't grow unless you listen to your recordings. I think that what you're really supposed to do is like videotape all your sets and watch them, but I don't have enough phone space for that. 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot. It sounds like you would need to get a designated phone for that. Yeah, uh, totally. Oh my <laughs> Your God, burner so phone. <laughs> yeah, the burner phone. But audio is so good. And then you just like, and then listening back, you hear stuff that you need to fix. Like for a long time, I was doing sets where I'd say like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, okay. Uh-huh. And like so many like inner things. And when you listen them back, you can like edit all those out and you get so much better yeah. really quickly. But so many comics will be like, I rec they record every set and never listen to them. Yeah, I could imagine that that's also like, I don't know, like really hard. I have a hard time watching, rewatching anything that I'm in personally. Yeah. Like I wanted to just, you know, I try not to micromanage when I'm on set or I'm in mm -hmm. front of a camera, I'm doing something because I'm going to beat myself up and it's gonna I'm gonna get in my head so I try to be really present and then the video comes out and I'm like oh my god I'm yeah. doing I'm serving exclusive nine chins like I look my hair is so fucked up like I look right. like such a mess but it's out and that's the most important thing so I'm just gonna post it and then I'm never gonna watch it I do that too um I'm very self-critical as well I have heard recently about like the physical stuff i get less critical about that kind of stuff lately someone i read a quote recently that was like the least interesting thing about you should be your appearance so I that, like that helped me but then i'm just more critical about like my voice you know what i mean i'm like mm -hmm. okay i look i look fucking disgusting but my note but or but my voice is <laughs> annoying now <laughs> so i try to be more content focused but it's hard when your voice is annoying or well, I don't think your voice is annoying. Thank you. Sometimes yeah. I think it's very grating. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It's just because you hear yourself all the time. I know. It's so true. Yeah. I'm hearing you for the first time and it's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think that it's that the standards that female comics have, like what the expectations for female comics are, are different or how different? Because let's assume that they are different. But like, yeah. in what ways would they be different? Because, you know, I have seen, I've gone to shows where I have seen like the schlubbiest, mm -hmm. the schlubbiest gentleman. Yeah. And that has not seemed to affect whether or not it was a good performance, you know, at least from yeah. my vantage. Mm -hmm. But I feel like people are just so much harsher on women, mm -hmm. so critical of every component of what a woman does. I'm curious yeah. how that translates for you. Yeah, it's rough. The appearance thing is interesting. I do think that the audience responds to me faster when I judge myself up in a way like hair and makeup. Not nothing crazy, but you know, a little mascara, a little blow dry, a little <laughs> a, a, a little lipstick, a, a little, little lips, lip. <laughs> maybe maybe like a tight fitting. Whereas, oh, this, like, sounds, this sounds very sexy now. <laughs> it's got very like, sexy, very fast. Yeah, a little when bralette. I, when a little I do my, my burlesque outfit. <laughs> a little stripper pole. You know, they respond very well. But I do think when I like, you know, take care of my, not take care of, you know, when I add a little bit of, immediately they're like, oh, but I, I feel like sometimes I look like shit. Uh, I'm very lazy when it comes to appearances so sometimes i just want to throw a shirt a t-shirt on out the door no makeup but i do find that when i put on all the stuff and wear a nice little shirt they're like immediately with me interesting and I, don't, I don't know if that's also because i feel good so i'm like what's up it also could be me mentally but 
I've had great sets, looking like shit, looking great. And also wearing my, when I used to work a nine to five, I would have to go right from my nine to five to shows wearing my fucking Ann Taylor loft clothes. And oh, I've also wow. had good sets in those clothes. So I do think it's all mental. Corporate comic. Corporate, corporate comic. <laughs> but I do think it's, uh, there is a little bit of a, more of a response when I, whereas like guys can like totally look like shit. And they're like, well, he reminds me of my friend who's a piece of shit. <laughs> when I go on the road, like to middle America or like Connecticut or like Long Island, I know that I have to like put myself together because there is a little bit of like conservativeness out there. Whereas like if I wear like a big t-shirt and look like shit, they'll be like, what are you doing? But if I like, you know, you know, do the blow dry and like the hair and makeup, they'll be like, oh, okay. She's professional. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And in terms of content, do you think that the jokes that men can get away with are different than women, like better or worse? I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's more about getting away with, but I knew, I know that there's like this inherent, like, oh, another woman talking about her fucking pussy. You know, every time I do one sex joke, I know in my head, it's like, oh, a female comic joking about the same sex again and the guy can go up and do it a million ways left and right and it won't be oh, another male comic there's always this like oh female comic and every time i do bad and i'm the only woman on the show it's like oh great now every audience member is going to walk away and say there was a female comic she didn't do that well i don't really like you know what i mean you feel like you carry the weight of women in comedy because there's only one of us on each show wow so it still is as male dominated as it was I don't know, the last time I checked, <laughs> it hasn't, it hasn't yeah. shifted. There's a bit, a little bit of a shift, you know, there's been more women on shows, but we're also, there's so few women compared to men that the women are so booked. The, the bookers want to book more than two women. Everyone's booked, especially on the weekends. Like all the upper women are out of town in the clubs. So then all of us get shifted up. So then there's like one woman per show. So I don't think it's any shame. I'm not shaming bookers at all. I think there's just like still so few of us working that there's just, we're all spread out, which How is awesome because then you get more opportunities. But when there's only one of us on the show, you're like, okay, I got to show up for my gender. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of pressure. That's really yeah. scary and hard. Yeah. Is it true that comics are horrible to date? And my boyfriend's a comic. Wow. Yeah. So yes, not <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, they can be. I do think that inherently stand-up comics are mentally ill. So dating them, you have to know you're probably about to date a pretty self-centered person. It's like probably one of the most self-centered jobs you can get into. Tell me more. For what reason do you have to have that character profile to do well? I just think like... Not a, it's a job that you're just like, everything's about me. He, me, I'm in the center, I'm the center of attention. Laugh at me. He, I feel good when people laugh at what I say. And laughing is like this weird coping mechanism for like making friends or like if your family didn't love you enough, you're like, okay, I'll make people laugh. And that feels good for me. And that carries on into adulthood. And so like this like need for speed when it comes to laughter. Do you think, and you think that's more than with just an actor, for instance? I do. Ah, actors are similar. But I do think stand-ups are a little bit more dark than actors. But I think artists in general were like a self-centered 
not in a bad way. I'm, I'm one too. I'm not criticizing my peers. I'm self-centered. You know what I mean? But there's good ones. But it's also a hard lifestyle to date because we're out every night. That is really hard. And it's very emo- emotionally tumultuous. Yeah. I mean, how do you stay healthy with that kind of lifestyle, lifestyle both in terms of like the emotional feedback mm-hmm. and then also like your routine? You have to, for me, I try to make my own stuff so that like, if I get like a rejection from the industry or if I get, if I have a set that goes badly, I'm like, okay, well, I'm still creating my own stuff. I have my own little following. And so this audience didn't like me, but I'm going to turn around and make a little video. And so I think that helps. You have to like self-sustain yourself. And then also physically, you got to, you know, you got to like exercise and eat well too. And like, for me, like alcohol is not good for me because it's going to turn into a hangover or a blackout. And then I won't be myself on stage the next day. I think a lot of comics forget that like, this is a physical job and you have to take care of your body to be able to commit to being one out of 10 out of 10 every night on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I can imagine that, you know, when you're out at the club and it's late and everyone's yeah. drinking and there's literally mozzarella sticks everywhere literally. and <laughs> and nachos yeah. galore that like the food that you're interacting with is not like great, mm-hmm. like nutritious food. And then you have access to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And then you also have access to a lot of like drunk, horny mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And like, I could imagine that it's not the best environment to have to then process the next morning (laughs) it's hard it's there's a lot of vices and i've been in it like five years now and so i struggled with a lot of that you know like you leave the house you're like okay gonna do my sets and then come home and then 3 a.m you're out drinking pizza blah 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 and it's so it's so fun but i think you hit a certain point where you're like i'm tired i'm doing a lot my body hurts and i can't keep up with everything i have to do so I'm also almost 30. So at that point, you're like, all right, I got to grow up a little bit and stop giving in to every temptation around me. Are you sober when you do your sets? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I try to have like this, like, if I'm going to drink, I'll do it after. Set like little limits for myself. Because once you get into that gray area, I'm like, yeah, I'll have a drink before. For me, it's like when I enter the gray area, I just end up blacking out. Right, right, right. At some point. Same thing with like food and stuff like that. So I have to have like pretty strict limits. I have like a very addictive personality when it comes to food and alcohol. I do too. So I really relate. I can empathize with, I mean, if I was in that environment, I would be fucked. I would be fucked. Fucked. Totally. So that's why I have to say like, okay, we're not, we're not drinking now because when you have like those temptations around you, you're like, oh yeah, I'll just have one. And then like you do one, one night and the next night you're like, oh, I'll have a couple. And then like night three, you brown out or black out. So right now I'm not like sober with a capital S, but I have to like hold off on drinking right now. And then same thing with food. I try to like get all my food intake done before I leave for the night. Mm-hmm. So that like, I used to be really bad, not bad. I used to be really like, I get off stage and immediately I'd be like, okay, I need to eat, eat those, eat these feelings up. So I stop at a bodega and get like a, a huge bag of chips and eat, eat, eat on to my next show. So now I don't do that as much anymore. Cause I like try to get all my nutrients in before I leave for the night. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I remember yeah. when I was living in Los Angeles many years ago, I was working at this restaurant um, and it was horrible. I mean, it was yeah. just like such a toxic environment. It was on the Sunset Strip. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. <laughs> watch out. And <laughs> it was um, just such a, I mean, the, my boss, the general manager was like a real, like a raging cokehead. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was open really late. It was kind of like a restaurant club yeah horrific monster situation (laughs) and the first few months that i was there i was poor so i was Mm -hmm. like okay i'm gonna like this i'm gonna eat here because this is free food and then on top of it i was also miserable and then i could get free drinks from the bar and like you know you have a bartender who's passing you drinks so it was like okay this is making a horrible situation a little bit more manageable i'm getting free food so i don't have to eat when i get home or i don't have to figure out what i'm gonna cook for myself like i'm getting drunk here for free and then i'm getting paid so like this isn't the worst thing ever Mm -hmm. and i came to realize that that was placating me you know that i wasn't even seeing the situation for what it truly was and i was also obviously sort of becoming dependent on those things in order right. to survive. And I s- stopped and I start, you know, I started only being sober there and it was such a different experience. Yeah. It was like alarming. It's <laughs> how alarming. fucked up it was. It's alarming. I did the same thing with food for years, just like Im- immediately turning to candy and snacks and binging and stuff like that and yo-yo dieting and it's crazy how once you kind of like normalize out, you're like, damn, I was numbing. Yeah, and the numbing is really, re- is really real. Like yeah. you have to numb. And, and that I think is also like when I'm hearing about sort of what goes into getting on stage and telling mm-hmm. jokes to a stranger is like, and also to peers, you know, but like needing that validation both on a stranger level and then also on a community level mm-hmm. and that validation not being something that is your job, you know, like you can't separate your art, you know, but that plus all of these vices and all of these coping mechanisms and like the emotional roller coaster of that experience. I mean, that's really intense. It's super intense. And yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess that's how standup is different from acting in other arts is like your personality is your art. So like, of course there's addicts and all sorts of vices in standup because if you don't do well, you're like, stop 50 people fucking hating me (laughs) and you get a rejection. You're like, that's about me. It's not about your acting. It's like literally about like who you are as a person. So, yeah. And it's also like, you can't really, I mean, maybe when you're, you know, the season, season, season comics, like very famous ones can live like divas, but like, it's also not, you don't have all of the comforts of like a trailer and Mm. like a PA person, like being like, let me, you come here and let me take you from this place to this place. It's like, you're getting yourself to the show. You're putting the Mm. fucking jalapeno poppers in your own mouth. Like you, (laughs) like you are fully calling the shots of this, which also means that you have to like protect yourself. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's really hard, but that's growth in any field. Cause I did also, even before stand up, I was working in nonprofits and I would just like numb with food and alcohol there too, because of how stressed I was. So I think it's universal. And I think, how old are you? 32. Okay. So we're similar ages. I'm 30 in a month. So it's like, I think as you get older, if you're self-aware, you can start like picking apart, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do think that like 
there's nothing that I love more than getting older because it's like really helping me buff out all Mm -hmm. of those like thorny, like sticky spots where I'm like, Oh, but like, is this going to like, is this a disaster? And then it's like, no, you're not going to care about this in six months. Like, but if you destroy yourself, you're going to care about that in six months because every single day counts of like Mm -hmm. how you show up and take care of yourself versus you self-destructing and getting into this, like, you know, having this like emotional self-sabotage because one bad thing happened. It's like, that's not going to matter, but you not knowing how to regulate is, you know, so not knowing how to regulate. It's so true. And you have to kind of self-destruct for a while to learn that you don't need to (laughs) self-destruct. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really the reason that, you know, I'm so I always love talking to comics is because I feel like it's such a microcosm of so many. It's like it's so intense. The stakes are so high. Mm -hmm. The lifestyle is so hard. But it also is such a an interesting mirror for people, regardless of whether they're in this field or not, to Mm -hmm. like consider how each of these things, how they relate to each of these things, you know, and it might not be as extreme and it might not be as obvious, but I'm sure that, you know, whether or not you are actually getting in front of the stage, trying to make strangers laugh, like you need to have, people need validation in their spaces, Mm -hmm. you know? And if that space is, you know, how do you cope with when that you're not receiving that? Yeah. And how do you validate yourself? Right. So that when you don't receive that outside validation, you're like, well, I fucking, I stand by myself. Yeah, that's beautiful and super true. Okay, so perfect segue into the questions. Okay. Question number one, what do you believe in? What do I believe in? That's a good question. Not much. (laughs) You're Uh, like, pass. (laughs) What do I believe in? Next one. I believe that everything, um, I don't know, it seems privileged to say that if you are good to yourself and others, things work out. You could say it. Yeah. I believe okay. In, <laughs> You're like, yeah, that. What I said. <laughs> I, I believe in being good. Being good and a sunshine of a person. People are always like, everything will work out. Sometimes everything doesn't work out for people. You know what it's I mean? It's true. <laughs> it's true. But I, I really try to mitigate that as much as possible. Yeah. You know, like I, I just wrote about this actually right before... Um, we started talking, I, Mm -hmm. you know, I do think that there is divine timing. Mm -hmm. I do think that things don't always happen in how, as quickly as we want them to, Mm -hmm. or in the way that we think we want them to. But if we stay the course, things do happen. Yeah. And then if we allow ourselves to sort of grow with our journey then mm-hmm. we often find that things happen in a better way than we could have yes. imagined. Actually, so true. That Okay, this is what I believe in. Everything I have is everything I want. Ooh. That's what I've been trying to say lately. I love that. So when you're like, oh, I wish I was blah, blah, blah like them. And then you're like, no, wait, hold on. I got everything I want. And that everything else is a little bonus. Ooh, I love that. Thank you. (laughs) And everything else is just a little bonus. A little bonus. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love that. Okay, question number two. How does magic show up in your life? Um, Magic showing up in my life with the people I interact with on a daily basis who make me feel like myself. I love that. People are magic. 
Spoken like a true air sign, a true Libra. Yes, exactly. Is that corny? I know you said mozzarella. I've been thinking about mozzarella sticks since you said them. So now I think I have to order them for lunch. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get them out of my head. I'm hungry. (laughs) I know, right? What do most people say for the magic question? You know, there's a variety of answers. I would Mm -hmm. say that we find magic everywhere. Magic is everything. Magic is people, magic mm-hmm. is opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. magic is synchronicities. So yeah, mm-hmm. your answer is totally right in line with everyone else. You're yeah. Yeah. perfect. Okay. People. Yeah. 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 People is a very reasonable answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I would love to pull a tarot card for you. Okay. So the way that my deck works best is if it is in response to a direct question. It does okay. not do as well with general because then we get a very mm. murky read and we're like, okay. oh, what does this mean? So what is a specific question that you have that we could ask the tarot? Will 2022 be fruitful? Oh, I love that. Is that too general? No, it's specific because okay. we're talking about a year. Yeah. Let's do how will 2022 oh, okay. be fruitful? Oh, good. Yeah, because it will be. Mm-hmm. Because everything I have is everything I want. That's true. Okay. Would you like me to work with pile one, pile two, or pile three? Um, three. Great choice. Thanks. Wise move. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how will 2022 be fruitful for Maddie? That is the question. That's what we want to know. Okay. We got the seven of wands. Ooh. Look at this face. Look Ooh, at He's so cute. He's cute. And he's also stressed. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But he's very busy putting wands in the ground. Oh, my gosh. Story of my life. I'm always putting wands in the ground. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Relatable. Yes. Relatable AF. But it looks like it's going to be really busy. It looks like you're going to be sort of, there's going to be a lot of wands to put in the ground. And you're (laughs) going to have a lot of, you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of, Sort of like, um, how do I juggle this? How do Mm. I balance this? How do I, you know, make sure that this is in the right place? So it's going to be fruitful in that it's going to be very busy and it's going to be stressful, but that's also going to be important because it's going to be you, you know, cutting your teeth to know how to, to plan for when things are very busy and stressful, you know, and that you can scale that and that you can continue to take care of yourself and cultivate your relationships and make sure that your life is not just being consumed by your calendar. And you you put the wands in the ground so that someday you can have someone in your trailer telling you not to eat jalapeno poppers. Yes. That's someone who has made you chia seed chia pudding. pudding yeah. with agave, a hint yeah, of and agave. And they made it. And then you're going to do like a few squats with your personal trainer after. Exactly. And then you're going to go back to your palace and you're going <laughs> to sleep on your silk pillow. Yes. And they're going to fan you with palms. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the buildup. Awesome. I look forward to it. Me too. Well, where can we find you and continue to connect with you and also see you? Yes, you guys follow me on all the apps. So Maddie Smith, if you live in the city, I go up every night and the link in my Instagram bio has all my shows. It's my little bands in town. So it has all New York ticketed shows and then We'll be on the road all of October. I'll be filming Wild and Out, so I'll be on a stand-up hold then. But if you follow me on the medias, you can find me and then listen to my podcast that time of the week, which is available on all podcast platforms. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much Thank for being so here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really Thank fun. Thank you.